and it's wet my appetite to then go straight into my sports science degree. Work through the sports science degree, that's going to take five years, fantastic. By the time I've done that, I'll be the Ironman world champion, I'll have two world records under my belt, and I'll have raised a million pounds for charity, which I'm aiming to do next year. Then, then I'm in a position where my entire um, passion falls into my three things that all come together in one cumulative thing, and then I can live the life that I want to live. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, so this is part four of five with Ben of the series as he takes us through the principles that he lives by to make himself the best version of himself. We get straight into it, so please enjoy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and waking up to the flated uh, mattresses and, and, and sleeping on the floor. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it was warm. Even nice. though it, it was hurricane winds and, and, and lashing down, it was still good fun. So Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, oh, that's it's, good. So how was the training going? Uh, yes, good. Uh, on track. Um, tr- uh, started new block a couple of weeks ago. So um, now it's good. We've got a bit more mileage in. I've uh, got a few big runs coming up now to get training for Cape Wrath proper. So Glencoe Skyrace is in, what, five weeks, I think, now. Um, and then... And potentially, uh, I don't know what to do next weekend. Next weekend, I'm either going to go and run the West Highland Way, which is 96 miles, or I'm going to do a ridge run on the Isle of Skye. It's been on my bucket list for quite some time. I don't think it's been done yet, but I need to have good conditions for it. So um, we'll just see what the weather does. Play it by ear. But uh, yeah, I might be on a train going south to Glasgow and then running back home again. No way. So, uh, well, the West, the West Highland Way is 96 miles. Um, so I'll just jump on a train and then run back to Fort William again. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon I reckon I could do that non-stop, twenty-four hours, something like that. So. Yeah, it seems fair. Yeah, I think so. Um, it'd be good as well. Good to I, I'd be the longest time. <laughs> so it'd be good to kind of just sort of get into the idea of what it's all about. And Barefoot Junkie sent me a load of new um, Vibe and Five things to play with. So baptism of fire, you know. <laughs> Well, you go in barefoot all the way. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Use me, you know, move, move five fingers as opposed to full, full barefoot. Five fingers. Oh, those the, those sock shoes, like ninja shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be in those. That's what I do all my running in. I'm sponsored by Barefoot Junkie, so um, they send me the funky finger shoes, um, and I wear them everywhere. So and they're really comfy. I I've actually because for the Glencoe Sky Race. Um, they were like, oh, you can't run in, the, in those shoes. I thought, well, it's annoying, but I'll buy a pair of trains and see how I get on. I've worn them once and I've had them for three months. I, I, can't, I can't run in them, uh, not anymore, because I've, I've adapted to run so well um, with proper biomechanics that, that trainers like shut that down. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have to try and sneak onto the race with my fingers on, but we'll see how we get on with that. <laughs> You were off it, you were off it, 96 uh, miles. That'll be a good story either way, eh? 
I said 96 miles. Quick, I'll just take a train to North Scotland and run home. 96 yeah. miles. Yeah, it's all right. Well, I mean, I, I live just down the road from Fort William, and the west side of way goes Glasgow to Fort William. So I can leave the car in town, get the early train, and then just set off and see what time I get back. You know, I had to go through the night. <laughs> You're incredible, mate. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. <laughs> Uh, and you're so in, so in the barefoot as well. It's- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's kind of. I think that sort of running really. I mean, I've been doing it now for nearly two years. It's it's well and truly become a part of me now, and it's just it just works. You know, for, it's not for everybody, but for me, it works. You know, it's one of those things that I transition to sort of barefoot shoes just because I got so annoyed with my trainers because my. My legs, oh, I have problems with chin splints and blown up calves and funky knees and sore feet and ankles. And I was thinking, I, I, I really like running. And I, I just, I read all these books and I was like, ah, oh, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that I'm just not built for running. And it's like, well, that's ridiculous because we're human beings and human, all human beings are designed to run. That's evolution for you. Um, so... I thought, well, I'll, I'll invest. I'll get, to, I'll get a pair of these trainers. I'll get the, I've got these all singing, all dancing Brooks Cascadias, and they were like two hundred quid for a pair of trainers. I had them imported from bloody America, and I thought, this is it. This will solve everything. Like it's designed by Scott Jurek, ultra running legend. Um, that's what it's all about. And I popped them on, and I went across Salisbury Plain for a ten mile run. I got about one mile in, if that, and my legs start. My, my, I could feel my shins, and I thought, oh mate, here we go again. So in a rather juvenile, but in hindsight, quite funny fit of anger, I took them off and threw them and then just kept running with no shoes on because I just wanted to go for a run. I'm like a spaniel on the lead. I, you know, I need to be let off every now and then. And um, I just thought, well, ah, pff, I'll just go for a run anyway. See, I'll see how it goes. And then um, 13 miles later, I go back to my car and I was like, oh, probably something in this. So I wrote to Vibram because I saw the very five fingers and I was like, I really want to learn about barefoot running. You know, I don't understand why I've just taken my shoes off and gone for a half marathon and it's not hurt. Um, what's going on? And they were like, well, I'll tell you what, here's some studies, here's some shoes, go find out for yourself. I was like, ah, nice, thanks. And then ever since then, we've built a relationship and I've not looked back and it's not because, you know, it's a gimmick and I get paid loads of money or whatever. It, I, I don't get paid anything, but I, um, I just, I really like them. I like the fact that they're slightly different because I'm slightly different. I like the fact that it's a conversation starter. I like the fact that I've got really healthy feet and, you know, while, by the time I'm 55, 60, 70, whatever, I'm still going to be running because I'm running in a really natural, strong way and I've got really natural, strong bones, joints, and muscles. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. You know? So it's, uh, it's, just, it's just, it's fun. You know, it's fun. You know, it, it's comfortable and it works well for me. And it's, if you're going to swap, great. But it, it, it's usually driven from a problem. You know, I had a problem with my legs. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Fine. You know, Tom Evans, trail running legend, ultra, ultra trail Mont Blanc, all that sort of thing. He doesn't, he wears Hoka 1-1s, which are like massively padded. Good for him. Mo Farah's just transitioned to, or is transitioning to uh, Vibram Five Fingers. Ronaldo had some, or whoever it was, the, the, uh, the footballer in his changing room, you know. 
great. This is something they're they're starting to wake up to this idea and and learn more about it. Fantastic. If you don't, fantastic. If it works to wear really padded shoes, great. But if there's a problem, whenever I teach anyone to run and there's an issue, the first thing we do is take our shoes off and go on a treadmill. Okay. Shoes off and run. Funnily enough, it hurts to run incorrectly because you've got bones and stuff and things called nerves that go in direct contact with the floor, not with that much padding, you know? So as soon as you take your shoes off and run, you automatically run perfectly. So, uh, or, you know, nearly that. Okay. How, how do we tweet. not know that then? Sorry? How do, how do we not know that? Well, you see, as soon as you put a trainer on, that's... Uh, this is going to be a long story, but I'll try and keep it as, as, as concise as possible. I think it was back in the 60s that Nike, um, they brought in the Nike Pegasus. And this was on the back of um, this on the back of the revolution of jogging. And jogging is actually the action of running with a heel strike. And some clever clogs thought that it was actually more efficient for the human body to heel strike flop to toes, and then push off again. But if you imagine that movement in your head, heel strike with a straight leg it right out in front of you, down onto a flat foot, and then off on the toes, what you're doing there is reenacting a square wheel. And a square wheel doesn't work. That's why we don't have them on cars. So some clever plugs thought that that was a way of being really, really efficient at running. Incorrect. Because what you're doing there is you're putting all of the braking force. You already run with two to three times your body weight going through your knees and your ankles, even if you run properly. So if you smash it through an ankle, uh, through a straight leg, straight through a heel, straight knee, straight hip, and you're sending a shock directly from your heel all the way through up your spine, yeah, it's really bad for you. So people thought, ah, oh, right, well, this is obviously bringing up injuries. So what we need to do is we need to put padding under there. Because it's obvious that heel striking is the most efficient way of, of running, incorrect. So we need to aid that by putting padding under one's heel. Put loads of padding onto a heel. Then comes into the age of like, you know, the weird like banana-shaped shoes, the like sketches rolly things? Yeah. Well, that's encouraging that again. But that's adding even more padding. And all you're doing there is you're just adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. And then not many people really are actually stripping back to the bare basics to understand what's going on. It's like trying to fix a car by crashing it into Halfords and bolting everything onto it rather than actually getting your fingers inside the engine, your head in there with a torch and seeing what's going on. You need to scrape back to the basics to understand what's happening with a car to realize why it doesn't start. You need to strip back to the basics to somebody's running to understand why they've got pain in their knee, in their lower back, in their ankle, in their God knows where, you know. It's exactly the same theory i guess as physiotherapists when they see a patient and they're like oh right well you've got a pain in your calf it's probably not your calf well have a look at that your calf is fine now we'll address your back they don't just go right calf we need to do some rolling on that we need to do some this on that we need to do that on that no no, no. they'll they'll strip it back to basics and understand how the human body works and then they're able to fix that person so um the problem with that is then then you've had this revolution of going minimalist and that lasts a little bit and that's when Vibram Five Fingers came out and they thought, oh, very good. And then somebody took them to court because it didn't, uh, uh, what was it now? Um, I think they said it didn't 
it, it caused them an injury, so they took it to court or something like that. It was on its bottom line, a complete bullshit story. Uh, it, they're the sort of people, it, it was the same sort of lawyer that took Red Bull to court because a can of Red Bull didn't give them wings. That sort of bullshittery. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then you have padded trainers coming back and all this sort of bullshit. And it's marketing, 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 and then selling, selling, selling that, that, that fools us completely. It just didn't work for me because I kept coming out in injuries. I've probably got quite sensitive legs. I don't know. And then you find it yourself. And now all of a sudden, I'm a strong runner. So it, yeah. take from it what you want. But um, like I said, if you're fine and you've got no pain, then great. But if you've got issues with your running, if you, you know, you're not feeling like you're running to your full potential, pun intended, or you've got some form of injury, then chances are you need to strip back to basics. Yeah, oddly enough, I mean, a couple of times uh, I've, if, if I haven't been able to get a session in, I'll, I'll run home. And the majority of that run home is downhill. And as I'm running, because I've had a knee up, I'm thinking, this is yeah. not good. Do you know what I mean? I, to the point where I get on and my knees will be hot for like 24, 48 hours, as they're probably fixing. Yeah. <laughs> and, Just out uh, of interest, if you're running downhill, how are you running downhill? Are you, are you heel first going charging down with long paces that's how I used to do it but yeah. I sort of developed on I don't even know if it's right but I, I sort of developed onto a like a, a bent knee sort of not quite onto your, on your toes type of running downhill yeah. I don't know if that's right but it's, it doesn't impact the knees as much do you feel like you're leaning back as well a little bit yeah okay cool you're pretty much spot on just try and, if it, if it does hurt, just try and speed your legs up. And that's not sprint downhill at a million miles an hour. That's go at the same pace, but with roadrunner legs off the Looney Tunes. If okay. Your feet going, absolutely going for it like the clappers, then you're making yourself more efficient. Same theory in cycling. You'd think it would be more efficient and faster to cycle a really really high gear and just crank the shit out of it but your legs are gonna burn really really quick right so when you're cycling you actually want to go for a uncomfortably fast cadence which is the spinning of your legs and that is your ultimate efficiency same with running 180 base per, uh, um, uh, 180 strides per minute quite hard to achieve that's quite a quick turnover of feet um, and it took me a long time to understand that because I thought, well, I'm six foot four. I've got massive legs. Antelope my way along. But if you think the longer that stride, the longer that leg is under tension and you have something called time under tension, yeah. the longer the tent under tension, the more work that muscle is putting in, right? If you shorten that pace, less time under tension, less work done by the muscle, more efficient, I can run longer. Same okay. going down, Looney Tune legs. Same going uphill, Looney Tune legs. As soon as you can turn your faster, uh, your feet over really, really fast and maintain the same speed, that's where you lean back and stand upright and make sure you're still under control, then you become more efficient. And it's just so much easier on the body, especially downhill. If you increase that stride, you end up putting more force to that stride. The idea of like, um, uh, the idea of going with a, with a shorter pace Essentially, you're trying to keep yourself like boiling water. You're kind of, you're, you're constantly in motion, constantly in motion at a fast pace. And, and then you can kind of go downhill with less impact on each leg. 
Don't, don't you <clears throat> like the way I used to run? I'd always be to put those shoes on you've got. I just think I'd be in agony running if I had the stone. <laughs> See, that's that's where you really do need to come into doing a good transition with those. Um, don't do a me and think I don't need to change anything. I can just put the shoes on and I can crack on and run a marathon because. Quite honestly, I did that going from a Brooks Cascadia, which has about an inch of padding underneath it and has a significant drop. And a drop is a difference between toe and heel. So you'll find that you can have like a zero drop shoe, which means that there is no difference in height between heel and toe, which is a good thing. Zero drop with low padding is a very good shoe. Um, and it will show you, you know, when you look at the a shelf with shoes, it'll say, oh, uh, heel, I don't know, um, 3.8 mil, toe, 2.3 mil or whatever. That is a drop, a drop of um, quick maths, like 1.5 mil or whatever. So a drop, right? If you have, if you go from a shoe that has significant padding to a shoe that has zero and don't change anything or don't break into it easily, things go wrong. And that's where that person who sued Vibram ages ago was, was getting in a hiss about because they were thought, oh, well, these are the best things ever. I'm going to be able to run like Mo Farah, put them on, and nothing happened. And, you know, they found that they were getting hurt because, stupidly, they're thinking, oh, I need to heel strike with Vibram Five Fingers or any form of minimalist shoe. If you heel strike with no shoes on, it hurts. Funny that, we're probably not designed to do it. It takes time to turn. If you heel strike, you're going to have a flat foot because it's weak, weak in the arch. You're not using the arch, right? And if you go to a shoe with no protection and heel strike, you'll automatically move to a forefoot or a midfoot strike. Okay, so you're using sort of balls of your feet, not necessarily on the tiptoes, but the balls of your feet right. and the arch will start to contract. The idea of an arch, if you, if, you imagine, if you imagine an arch of a bridge, yeah. right, you've got several blocks that are all specifically shaped, right? Where is an arch most strongest? Most strongest? Yes. In the middle, is it where it's all compressed? Exactly. Because, like you just said, it's more compressed, right? If you have... An arch, a perfect arch. We couldn't design a better arch on your foot, which we do. And then you put a nice support underneath it. What happens to that arch? It becomes weakened. Exactly. No structural engineer in their right mind is going to put a pillar in the middle of an arch. They always put it either side of an arch because an arch is strongest when it's got weight on it. Same with your foot. So why do we put inner soles that push up into our arch and feel all close and cozy? when all we're doing there is negating the, the need for muscle. You take that away, that muscle has to develop again because that will have gone. It's called atrophy. So you now have to build that muscle up again. I tried to go straight into these shoes without any transition. I ended up breaking my foot because I had, comp I had impact injuries and bits and pieces. Um, but I thought I'll just keep going through it anyway. Um, and that was my body reacting to the fact that we hadn't transitioned. And it was a case of, well, man, we're trying to still do, you know, 150 running miles a week. It wasn't an insignificant amount of running. 
um, without having changed. And I've got in there with ultimately very weak feet. And that's what happens when you're getting weak feet. Now, that's not to say that it's a terrible idea to transition to, to barefoot running. It's a fantastic idea. But I, when I teach people and show people to do it, it takes six weeks, at least six weeks. Is it? And staying with your trainers, and then every other day maybe go to a football pitch and take your shoes off and just go for a run on nice, dewy grass that feels amazing to run on and your feet will thank you for it. You know, we're not going onto broken glass and trails straight away. That comes later. But um, you, know, you, just, you just enjoy the fact that your feet are enjoying a bit of freedom yeah. and let them do the job. There's a direct link between solar foot and tip of brain um, through your central nervous system. And there's 50,000 sensors on the base of your foot. So let them communicate with the brain, but don't overload with information. Stress plus rest equals growth, right? So you need to go through the stress and then you can rest a bit. So you always have a day on, day off. When you rest... And you're thinking, oh, okay, that was interesting. You know, I'll give my feet a bit of a rub while I'm sat watching telly or whatever, and I'll give them a bit of love because they're they're working for me now. And then because I've rested, the muscle memory is going to start adapting. Then I go out for my next run, and then over and over again, this will start to build up, and you'll build the muscle in your feet. You can't build muscle overnight. You build muscle over years. You start to build muscle, and then you can transit, and then you fully transition to be able to go barefoot. For me, it took about two months, really, to be comfortable in running the same sort of distances that I was um, before I started wearing, you know, in, in, my, in my previous running years and days and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so where I was comfortable going out for a 28-mile run on a Sunday, it took me a good two months, a good two months to be able to reach that sort of a level um, with the five fingers again. Did, did you teach yourself? Yes. I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a case of that developed my method for coaching people where I do it today. I use myself as an experiment. I know exactly what works. I know every single injury you can possibly have with your foot because I am in the mindset that if there is something that I don't really know about or I don't understand, I learn everything about it. And the majority of the injuries in people's feet and knees and shins and, and hips and calves I've had through this transition because I've put myself through the hardest bits that I could in a learning curve. And now I've developed what I would argue is a damn good way of transitioning and becoming a very strong runner. See that you, you go deep. You're like, um, Ferris, mm. Tim Ferris. When you go into something, you don't just go a little bit. It's like all in. Or What's go the point of going <laughs> But where have you where, where have you ever got you know results in life from going half assed? It's like people who say, oh, I, I'm think of an example. I, I'm guilty of it myself. So I've had to really like we were saying in previous podcasts, I've had to really like streamline life. But before then I was mountain guiding, I was doing admin for a different company, I was doing my gardening job. I was trying to set up my own business. I was doing all of my own training. I was trying to get to Iceland and do all of the logistics behind that. I was on the back end of projects that I had from the 16th Athens and trying to back that up. I was trying to write blogs for Ordnance Survey. I was trying to design my own website. Um, I was trying to do social media content every day, videos every day, Elliot Hulse style videos. 
that's at least 10 things I was trying to do at the same, same time. And do you know what I did? I did a half-assed attempt at 10 things. Well done, I'm the jack of all trades and the master of jack shit. <laughs> What's the point in half into something? Be like, oh yeah, um, oh, this innocent smoothie that I've got in front of me now, I'm just drinking a smoothie. So I'm going to use this as a, a, a random off-the-cuff example. Uh, great, super smoothie, done. Why is it a super smoothie? What's in it? I want to know why it's called invigorate. Do I feel invigorated? I want to know why lime, kiwi, and matcha go to wear together with cucumber, flax seeds, and B vitamins. Great. I want to know what consistency that's in there because I want to know what's going on. If I'm interested in something, I want to learn everything about it. Why do people not want to do that? I have this weird and wonderful vision in my head. Like we have our ancestors, right? And they would be hunting a mammoth. They're not going to go out with a bow and arrow for a half-ass attempt at hunting a mammoth. Get killed. They're going to study everything about it. They'll know its movements, its habits, how, many, how big is a herd, if, it, if there's such a thing as a herd of mammoth. Um, how big the beast itself. Where does it go? Where does it, what happens when it gets confronted by, I don't know, a saber-toothed tiger, for example. I know I'm being poetic here, but bear with me. You know, they'll know everything. So why do we not, why do we not sort of translate that today? We're in a society where people praise this, this, this multitasking, like high performance in quotation marks, bullshit. You can't multitask. You can't do it. Yeah, you can walk and breathe, but you cannot do two cognitive tasks at one time unless you're an Apache gunship pilot, in which case you can have one eye that looks in one direction and one eye that looks at a different direction. But that takes years of training, years of training, because I know Apache pilots and they're, they're weird. <laughs> very, 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 very rare thing to do. You can move their eyes in different directions. You can't do two things at once. So this age of multitasking, really, we're shooting ourselves in the foot because right now, right now, in this day and age, we are in a, we are in a, in a society where more people need to be single-minded, focused. The late Steve Jobs, the king of single-minded focus. What did he do? The iPod. And he nailed it. He nailed the iPod to the best he could possibly do. What did he do next? The iPhone. He nailed the iPhone to the best he could possibly do. What did he do after that? Marketing and all the rest of the stuff that Apple have done, right? Single tasking. If he had thought, oh, I want to do an iPad. I want to do an iPod. I want to do an iPhone. I want to do ITV. Or this is where my knowledge gets a little bit vague. And then you want to do an iMac. I want to do a MacBook. I want to do a fucking God knows what, right? Apple TV. If he did all of those, failed. Yeah, he would have failed. He would have done a half-assed attempt at all of them. So I don't understand why people would be or find it weird that people are so single-minded or just trying to do one thing at a time. I, I don't understand why people wouldn't want to do that because if you try and multitask, you A, exhaust yourself, you B, confuse yourself, and C, confuse and exhaust everyone else around you. So I don't see what the point is. No, I, 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 <laughs> I read something the other day about if, if you're going to, please everybody, then you, you're going to be for nobody. Um, and I, I love the way that you were so honest 
and able to express your opinions so clearly. And you just nailed something that I, I strongly feel, and that's that this multitasking is a load of crap to a certain degree. Do you know what I mean? But like you mm. say, we're stuck in an environment. You're, you're not. I am. <laughs> where, where the multitasking is a requirement. Yeah. I even, I even brought it up in, the, in my interview. They asked me about multitasking, and I said, well, yeah. it doesn't exist. And, and that's only from all the research I've done and all the books I've read, and all the, the people who were, yeah. do you know what I mean? But it, 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 the question had to stand, and I had to answer the question. <laughs> it's bonkers. It's bonkers what yeah. we're doing to I, ourselves. I don't understand why people wouldn't answer that question with another question. Somebody asked me, like, I don't know what the question would have been, but let's just say for argument's sake it was, um, are you a good multitasker? then my question would be, I want to answer that question with a question. I want to ask you in return, do you want someone who can do several things at once really badly? Or do you want someone who can do one thing at a time brilliantly and efficiently and time sensitively? Because yeah, you can you can you can set you can spend loads and loads of time, can't you, on one task? And be like, oh, I've done it. It's the best you can do. But it's taken great. It's, it's taken seven years, mate. You know, it was only a, you know. But you can do if you can nail single-mindedness through practice to be able to go right. This is my task. I can get it done. I'm going to do it. It's done. Next. Hmm. And you put it behind you. And let's say you get one task done every hour. Fantastic. That's better than having a list as long as you're armed to look at for an hour. It takes you an hour to write the bloody list and then it takes you 17 years to get through your list if you ever do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's something else I've been diving into. Is, um, I've, I've noticed I'm, I'm not distracted, but where I'm going right now with the podcast and wanting to go deep on the podcast and improve my questioning, the way I carry the conversation, you know, my engagement and everything else. What's slowly dripping into that is all the, because you, you know, when you start subscribing to stuff, you end up on all these different newsletters you didn't know you signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> and then you tend, they, they then send, send that to their friends who sell, who then try and sell you services that are associated with podcasts. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So they, and then, and then the marketing comes in, and like you say, well, the social comes in. And all I want to do right now is, all I want to do is talk to people. Do you know what I mean? And have those conversations, like like we've been having for the last five, six weeks, seven weeks, probably more. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's, how, how do you how do you manage with regard to? Um, I don't know if if you are heavy into like emails and stuff and newsletters, but. If you if you've got something if you were me now when you you would say I'm going to focus on podcasts and you yeah. win your inbox and there's all sorts of different stuff relating to podcasts like podcast yeah. events and how would you manage that? Well, podcast is like an entire world, right? I don't have my own podcast, but I can relate to this in a similar sort of thing. One of my three things that are most important to me, and we'll pro- probably get onto this today if not tomorrow with our topics um one of my most important things to me is the development of my own knowledge of sports science right 
I love it. I love sports science. I love geeking out about facts, figures, studies, theories, and then putting them to the test and seeing what happens when I try them. I love it. I used to subscribe to, or I had a subscription. My inbox is exactly the same as yours with a different topic. I would have studies from ultra runners. I'd have emails from Uphill Athlete. I'd have emails from Elliot Hulse. I'd have emails from Ross Edgley. I'd have emails from this newsletter, from that newsletter. I want to learn about this bit. And then there'd be nutrition. And then there'd be um, anatomy and physiology. And then there'd be like physiotherapy. And then there'd be all this sort of stuff. It's all related to sports science. But I can't learn it all at once. Hmm. So... I unsubscribe to everything and I, I still do. If there's, if there's random emails, I'm just like, why is that being sent to me? I, I, I go through and unsubscribe it. And I recommend people do because otherwise you end up, it's a full-time job going through your inbox um, because the amount of things you have to put your bloody part, um, email address in on websites these days just to do something is ridiculous. So I then sat down and said, right, I really want to learn sports science. Um, I know where I want to go with it. it it relates perfectly to the challenges that I do and the adventures that I go on and the sporting achievements that I want to achieve uh, within my future. Again, we might come on to that today, uh, if not tomorrow. Um, I know where I want to go, but I know that I can't do everything today. The problem with everyone in today's society of multitasking and do everything now is it's exactly that. Everybody needs to multitask to get several thousand things done at once now needs to happen now. Everything needs to happen now. I don't understand why. I think, yes, we're in a world that's, that's very, very fast-paced, but I think we just need to kind of slow down and start concentrating on jobs a little bit more. Otherwise, you're going to be really quick at doing shit. So, um, so I broke down my goal as to what I wanted to do. Your job is, uh, so your goal is your podcast and absolutely nailing your podcast. So what's the main, most important thing about your podcast? You just told me. It's talking to people. Great. Nail the conversation. Understand neuro-linguistic programming. Communicating to somebody right at a basic level. Being able to ask people the right questions. Um, in, my in my previous job, I was an interrogator. So you're, 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 you're asking these open questions. Oh, tell me about this. What do you think of this? Will you... Uh, sorry, um... Uh, tell me more about this, explain this, you know, because then you, you do exactly what you have been doing because you're very good at it. And you, you then get me to go off on a little rant and I go on my little rant. And then you have the little affirmative questions, the yes and the no's and whatever's um, just to make sure that you're on the right lines. Cause then you've got to follow on what these people are saying. Basic questioning. Cause the more you nail your question, I love these sessions because it turns into almost like a, a, a um, What's the word I'm looking for? A psychology session for me. It's like you're my shrink. <laughs> because we just have the right questions. You end up building the rapport with the person yeah. and have a really fun conversation. And all of a sudden, an hour goes, you know? Yeah. Because then, once you've nailed the product, to, to use an ugly word, once you've nailed the conversation, then tell people about it. And then get people to share it and get people then doing the talking for you. Once people do the talking for you, then you can look at, I don't know, funky introductions to your podcast or sponsorships or, you know, other bits and pieces. Um, that's kind of where my knowledge of podcasts runs out the window. But in my own case, I, 
I, my progression through sports science is like a ladder. I've just started, or I've signed up for, and I will be starting in two weeks, a um, nutrition degree, uh, well, a degree equivalent, but a nutrition degree um, equivalent with Martin McDonald and his own nutrition program. Um, that starts in September for me. That's 12 months, and that's the first rung of the ladder. I'm really interested in nutrition. It's another side of sports science. I know that I'm going to go through a degree in sports science as well, but this is going to be my first rung in the ladder. I want to get this qualification. Then I, you know, I'm a full-time, I'm a fully qualified and insured nutritionist. Fantastic. That's great. And it's wet my appetite to then go straight into my sports science degree, work through the sports science degree. That's going to take five years. Fantastic. By the time I've done that, I'll be the Ironman world champion. I'll have two world records under my belt and I'll have raised a million pounds for charity, which I'm aiming to do next year. Then, then I'm in a position where my entire um, passion falls into my three things that all come together in one cumulative thing, and then I can live the life that I want to live. But I can't have that all now by reading all the emails, reading all the books that I've got on my bookshelf, and absorbing all information overnight. If I did that, my brain would melt even more than it already has done. I know it's going to take me five years, six years, you know, to get to my graduation where I'll get my first in my degree and then I can look at master's and PhD and whatever after that. Um, I've got a few other bigger uh, things in, in line for post Ironman, but uh, uh, once I'm at that point, then I can live my dream, which is you know, going into doing these big challenges and then coaching and showing other people how to do it. Um, that's how I see it. You break it down. You can't have everything now. I delete all your emails. I don't subscribe from everything. You know, you'll probably forget half the emails you've got. And you'll end up resubscribing to those important few. You know, it was, um, oh, what's his name? No, it's gone. Never mind. I'll tell that a different story. Um, yeah, I don't subscribe to them all because at the end of the day, you're going to end up thinking, right, yeah, I'm on this conversation, blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to nail the conversation. I'll subscribe to this email because this looks like really good help for that specific task at this specific time right now. We're not multitasking. We're single tasking. How do I talk to somebody? That's a good email. I'll get that. You know, it's toilet reading every Monday morning or whatever. Fantastic. Toilet reading. And then you'll realize, oh, hang on, I think I was already subscribed to that once upon a time. Great, I've come back to it. It's obviously important. I'll read it. And then once I'm moving on to the next thing, because I've nailed the conversation, I'll unsubscribe from that because I don't need it anymore. You subscribe to everything. everything comes through a phone. It's ridiculous. You know, but it's time to start using that and controlling it rather than it using you and controlling you. How did you develop that awareness, though? Because, I mean, that's, that's, that's I mean, that's, cultivated or is it just the way you've always been because i see a lot of people struggling with this i found myself how's the best way to describe this i became aware of that when i became aware of some what it is i wanted to do i i know what the three things are in my life that i'm aiming to to achieve I know that I'll be the Ironman world champion in 2022. I know that I'll be graduating with a first and a sports science degree in five, six years time. And I know that I'm going to have a damn good relationship with my girlfriend at the moment. 
well, soon soon to you know become fiance. Oh, congrats! Those are my three things. Soon to be, soon to be. <laughs> You'll have no idea when it comes. Is she in the room? She's not in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my three things, and I know that on the day that I cross the line on the Ironman World Champs, that Laura's going to be stood there with a coconut in her hand, and I'm going to be. 75% the way through my sports science degree. Everything will culminate on that one day. Because I have that laser focus on what it is I want to do, that's the first stage of anything. What the hell does this do you want to do? Because I know that, now I can start cutting away all the chaff and all the crap that I don't need to understand. I don't need to be a physio overnight. That might come later in life, but I've got a book over here that's got a bunch of tabs all over it that will do for my physiotherapy hunger. I don't really read it that often. Why? Because I outsource everything. I look at that if I've got a specific pain in my knee and I'd be like, actually, I'm not sure what that is. And I'm interested, so I'll have a look. It'll, it'll take no longer than 30 minutes. And I'll think, okay, that was satisfactory. The rest of it, outsourced. I've just paid for um, some health cover and some bits and pieces. And that health cover actually allows me to have a dietitian, a physiotherapy, a sports therapist, and you can do all the acupuncture and bits and pieces. Fantastic. That's covered. I don't need to worry about it. I'm going to be starting my nutrition degree. So I don't need to be worrying from September about all of the other sports sciencey stuff that I'm desperate to get my teeth into. I can read to my heart's content right now up until the point that I start that nutrition degree but I start the nutrition degree and I learn about nutrition. I don't start the nutrition degree and, and learn about sp specific adaptation to imposed demand and Soviet era general physical preparedness. You laser focus yourself and you only really become aware of the fact that you're being swamped with information at the point where you understand what it is you want to do. Being swamped with information before that point is not a bad thing. Because you've got to dabble, dabble in stuff, understand what it is you like doing. Iron Man wasn't on my radar five years ago. So I've dabbled a little bit for, those, for the last five years. And now I've found that focus in all that dabbling. And now I've unsubscribed from everything because I don't need bullshit in my, in my inbox. Um, so I get like five emails a day. It's great. I don't, you know, everything else is unsubscribed or redirected or deleted or answered or whatever, you know. Dabble for as long as you need to, to find and understand who you are and what you want to do. But understand that in trying to find that answer, yes, you need to accept external inputs, but the answer ultimately will come from inside yourself because you need to understand who you are. If you're pretending to be someone else, like you could say that when I was in the army and I was trying to join the SAS, I had my heart set on it. I was everything. I was full, single-minded focus, everything to do with selection. And I got to a various point in selection, and then I realized at that point who I was. And I understood, and I was like, this is not who I am. It's fantastic. I'm re I really enjoyed selection. Best time in the army. I loved it. Then I realized I'm not supposed to be here because this is not who I am. Then I understood now I think I know who I need to be. And then this was three years ago. And in the, th in the three years that followed, I had a, a crazy chain of events that led me to where I am now. And I know exactly where I've got to go.
it's again not something that comes overnight it's not something you can do as part of a multitasking bullshit program it's something that you need to put time aside and understand and then outsource the rest and get help sometimes people need to have their hand handheld you know when they're starting these things some people need help some people need an amazing girlfriend to sit next to them and be like and just listen to them rabbiting on about these stupid things that come into their head you're like girlfriend number two to me. So <laughs> majority of it. It's just it, all of these ideas, as soon as you put them out of your mouth, they end up making sense in your head. And then you talk about them, you're like, oh, actually, it's probably a stupid idea, isn't it? Yeah, but what about this idea? And then you move on to the next thing. And then all of a sudden, you've got this idea that's just stuck in your mind. And you actually just like, do you know what? I've got a real hunger for that. I'm going to test it by learning something about it. Yeah. Yeah, this is amazing. I'm going to learn something else. Yeah, this is amazing. Right, I need to do something about this. I need to chase this line and see where it goes. It's going to get lost in the rabbit hole. So as a really long-winded answer to your question, when, how do you do this? How do you become aware? Well, you need to understand who you are. You need to understand what you want to achieve. And the, the, there is no best way to find this. There is no five steps to this. There is no... It's, it takes as long as it takes, and it is only found by you, the, the person. If you're looking for it from help from other people, I don't think you'll find it. If you're looking on the internet for what you want to be, you definitely won't find it. It's spending time alone, and it's dabbling in things that you think you're interested in to then find what you know you're interested in. And... I found just spending a lot of time on my own and just listening to things that were relatively interesting to me that I found it was actually an audio book that was talking about Iron Man. And I was like, I want some of that. Oh, I might have a look at that. And then I started looking into it a bit more and I was like, I'm hooked. And then I thought there's a very real possibility that with this crazy method and thinking that I've got behind my training and my love of sports science, that there is a weird and wonderful way that I could achieve the world champs and go big with a goal. And that was only through spending a bit of time on my own and understanding what it is I needed to do. And that comes back, you know, it's not just me gobbing off about this. Look at Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is a man who has 54 businesses and is worth $6.5 billion. He is a man that is, when he was 17 years old, he was known as the wonder kid. He has spent 42 years now, I think. I think he's like, is he 59 now or 60, something like that? Anyway, he has, spelt, he has spent the last at least 40 years of his career doing exactly this, teaching people to find out who the hell they are. That's why I've just invested four and a half grand in an online coaching program with him because I need help to get to where I need to get to. Mm-hmm. And if he's going on about having an hour of power in the morning and if he's going on about having this time where you're looking into yourself and you're understanding what it is that you want to do, and then once you found that thing, how to affirm it into your life and make it happen, then it's not just some person like swanning off about it. It's, this is real stuff. Look at visualization. Once Conor McGregor found exactly what it was he wanted to do, he could see it like it was about to happen. He could see it like it had just happened. He could see it like he was living it and he was still a plumber. And then he you know, unified two belts. Yeah something in this it's real you know but you need to find it first and the only way to find it is to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable and dabble in things until you find what it is you want to do yeah 
yeah, I agree. It's um, yeah, you, you helped me clarify some things there as well, and uh, I, I think I've got some definite distractions going on, so they will be ruthlessly culled in my inbox. It's um, liberating. It's liberating to go through it all. It's a bit of a uh, don't get me wrong. It's a ball ache to then be going. Oh, unsubscribe. Are you sure you want to unsubscribe? Yes. <laughs> Can you give us a reason? No. I haven't got time. Unsubscribe. You know, and then you get rid of them all. But as soon as it happens, the next day you'll have four or five less emails. Next day, four or five less emails. By the end of the week, you'll have four important emails. One will be from your mum. The other will be from your bank. You know, and a couple will be subscribers or whatever. You know, mm. then then you've got less you've got less reason to look at your phone. You've got less distractions. Then you can concentrate on what your number one thing is or what your three things are. It was Darren Hardy who uh, he's the editor for Success Magazine. He was going on about your three things, and I thought oh, three things. I've probably got like twelve. Uh, and then I started thinking about these things, and I was talking to you before. Um, guy I work for, um, which would be a, a to come in later um offered one of his projects to me he thought he said i should be the um the business owner of a farm shop restaurant up here in scotland um and i was like oh yeah yeah great 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 unfortunately that's just added a distraction and then i'm one of these people who you give me you give me a project and i'll run on it like a like an absolute husky dragging a sled i'll keep going until the job's done and i'll do a damn good job of it because i'm I'm very proud of myself for doing that sort of a thing. That's my attitude to it. Regardless, and this is where it falls, of whether it's taking me further away from my goal or taking me towards it. And in this case, it was taking me further away. And as Steve Jobs says, you know, he was most proud of, he was more proud of the things that they said as an organization, they said no to rather than the things they said yes to. Saying yes is easy, you know. Do you want to go and do this? Yeah, I'll do this. Do you want to go out there? Yeah, I'll go out there. Because there's no conflict in yes. No takes a lot of courage to say. Yeah. And no is an empowering realization that you don't want to do something that's not on your radar or on your path. So I've turned down that offer because it's taking me away from where I want to be. Um, well, I haven't. I, I will be. I haven't told them yet. I'm waiting for the right time. Um, the irony is, and I think we can probably bring in today's subject of doing something dangerous into this, is I realized that I needed more time. For me, to do, for, for me to do my stuff, my time is more valuable to me than money. And then again, to quote Darren Hardy, if you, if you have in mind, I don't really think that much about money. I want enough money to be happy, fine, but, uh, or comfortable rather. Um, fine, but if you have in mind an ideal salary that you want, let's say £100,000, right? You get £100,000 and then you divide it by the amount of working hours in a year, you end up with £150 per hour, okay? So your time is worth £150 per hour. Guaranteed you're probably not, oh, you're probably not earning £150 per hour. I certainly am not, not even a fraction of that. So I realized I need more time. I need more time to study. I need more time to get my life in order. I need more time to train. And then I can cut away even more chaff, including my job, to then be able to get the work done that's important to me. And that meant trying to put my hours down. 
but I'd also incorporated a health cover, which, you know, I'm in quite a hazardous job and I needed, I needed to up my rates. I up my, up, tried to up my rates um, to the man who I'm working for now. They fired me. So by the end of September, I'm not going to be in this job anymore. I'll still be living here because Laura and I are living together. But uh, do you know what? It's fine. And then again, people are like, oh, my God, but what if I get fired from my job? Right. Welcome to a very, very, very long lesson that I took to learn. And arguably, it's a lesson that's taken me the best part of 10 years to learn. Getting fired from a job is not a bad thing. Hear me out here. To quote Tony Robbins, you don't get your shoulds, you get your musts. I thought that I should have more money. I thought that I should be working less. I thought that I should be doing this and I should be doing that. Funny enough, at the start of the year, I thought I should be training more. I should be uh, spending, you know, uh, a bit more time in the gym. I should be, you know, doing more jobs. I should be making more money. Guess what? None of the above happened. <laughs> None of the above happened well. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't make any more money. I didn't do this. And right, and, you know, at the, at the point of asking for that raise and for less hours, I thought, well, I should be doing this. I should have more money. And then I got fired. You don't get your shoulds. But I must have more time in my diary. I've just been fired. I've got a fuck ton of work. Of time. <laughs> right? Great. I must have enough money to cover my bills and allow me and Laura to, to do some stuff together each month. Bearing in mind, we're both earning. Okay? Fantastic. I can get enough work with my trade um, or, I, or I can see it in my head. And I, I had to tell myself at the time, I will find work, which is fine, in my own trade, with my own hours, and I'll get the rate that I want. I must have it because I need this to get me up the, up the rungs of my ladder. Hmm. And all of a sudden, the next day, I had somebody say, oh, uh, are you free? I could do with this work being done. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll employ you two days a week until you leave Scotland. Because I'm in Scotland in like June. Uh, we're probably going to move to the lakes or something. But I'll, 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 I'll give you two days a week until you leave Scotland. Great. Well, that's easy. Two days a week. That covers all of my bills. Fantastic. Covers all the bills and allows me to, uh, you know, that's including shopping and petrol and all that sort of thing because I've worked that out to the nth degree as well. Um, so now if I work any more than two days a week, that's pocket money. That's, I can put it aside. I can go on holiday with it. I can do whatever I want with it. And my working week from the end of September is four days long and my working day is six hours. It's brilliant. I've now got an extra two and a half hours out of my day, three hours out of my day to be able to study. And that's going to be time in the working hours where Laura's not here, there's no distractions in the, in the house. I can lock myself away in my study dungeon and then I can get my studying done. I can get my training done because I train with Laura because I'm training her up for, a, uh, for an Olympic triathlon. Um, we can get the stuff done. I must have more time. I've got more time. I must have enough to make sure I can still live, you know, and cover the bills. I've got that. I must stay here because I need to, you know, obviously I live here. Angus has said I can stay in the flat. Fine. The musts I've got. I must get myself on that rung of the ladder that I need to be on. I got the place in the nutrition degree. You know, you get musts. And 
to do something dangerous, yeah, you're going to ask for stuff. There'll be a lot of people who are happy with, oh, I should probably do this, oh, I should probably do this. And the next day they'll be like, oh, yeah, I should probably do this, I should probably do this. And the next day they're like, oh, yeah, I should probably do You get the idea. People live in a little, they, they live shooting all over themselves, as, as Tony says. Yeah. People don't like to shoot on themselves. So, um, but they'll be comfortable because they've got the wage, wage package to deal with it. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I'm on two and a half grand a month. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I should probably do this, but it's okay if I don't because I'm on two and a half grand a month, so it'll be fine. Oh, wait, you've got no job. Right, now I must do this. I must do this. I must focus on it. And I must become single-minded. Doing something dangerous is taking a step towards what the hell it is you want to do, right? Something dangerous. I want to go to... I want to go to Ironman 2022, 8th of October, Kona, world champs. As soon as I've got the money, which I think will be December, I'm going to book the hotel. Four years in advance, I'm going to book a hotel. Three years, sorry, in advance, I'm going to book the hotel because I'm going to invest in it. Doing something dangerous is investing. You're investing time. You're investing either energy in the way that you've got to pluck up the courage to do something sometimes. And then you've got to invest money, yeah? So I must get help to get me to where I need to be. You know, I've got some sort of, I've got psychological distractions that are really starting to annoy me. Right. I need to get these out of my system. Coaching. I need Tony Robbins coaching. I need help. This guy is going to jump on my back every 10 days and tell me what the hell is going on and keep me on the straight and narrow. Right. I must outsource as much as I can. Right, well, I've just got this cover that, that covers up to three and a half grams worth of physio appointments, which is more than enough for a year. And it's a cash system, so I just get the money back. Easy, great. Well, that's outsource that. And then you end up getting really, really excited, or at least I do, in the, because you are getting yourself one step, one little step at a time by focusing on one thing at a time. You are completing that one task, ticking it off in your head, your mind is totally happy with that because it's ticked a box. And you are now one fundamental step towards where it is you need to go. Not 17 backward steps in your inbox going nowhere. It's like the difference between... <laughs> it's the difference between a really, really excited spaniel and a gun dog. A really, really excited spaniel, you will not get to sit still as you throw a ball for it. A gun dog, you can tell it to do something, throw the ball, and then it will go and get that ball as soon as you tell it to. It is single-minded. A spaniel gets distracted by air. Distracted by anything. They're my favorite dogs. Sorry? They're my favorite dogs. Oh, they're great, though, aren't they? <laughs> they're a bundle of energy, and they get distracted by everything. Yeah. So... It's where you're getting that mindset. You don't see a lion get distracted by air. You see a lion focus. It has to focus on the kill, has to focus on the pride, has to focus on being the, being the boss, you know, mm. for lack of a David Attenborough term, but you know what I mean. It has to have those focuses on those three things. So to anyone listening to this, to this, to this podcast, if you're, if you're thinking, oh, right, okay, well, maybe I should be a little bit more single-minded do yourself a favor and understand who you are. As soon as you get an idea of that and you find the three things that are important to you that you're going on about, focus on them. Cut back the shit and don't be afraid to do something dangerous. 
taking charge and doing something, asking for a raise. If I got it, fantastic, you know, I would have been doing the hours that I wanted on a bit more money. But I obviously, the money wasn't a must for me. It was a should. And it was, right? If, if, if making more money was a must for me, I'd probably be working twice as hard as I am. I work fucking hard as it is already, but I'd be working even harder to make the money because the money was a must. Money isn't a must for me. Money shouldn't be a must for anyone. So understand who you are, understand what it is you want to do and how, uh, sorry, and what the things are that you must do to get there and then focus on those. Unsubscribe. You know, shoulds are emails that are clouding in your inbox. Unsubscribe from them. Yeah. So you touched on something dangerous, something I read yesterday, two things actually. One was uh, people see the danger in the decisions that they're going to make, which is, say, do something dangerous like um like when i when i shifted positions in work yeah everyone thinks i'm nuts see like like off the charts like why on earth would i ever have made that move because the yeah. financial implications were negative do you know what i mean it, it took me financially away from my goal not towards my goal yeah but what it did do it gave me a, a greater balance in my life so I had more peace and contentment within my family life yeah but uh, in fact it's had multiple knock-ons it was a big it was a massive move give me structure it gave me more contentment in my job because I was doing a role that more fitted my personality yeah um, and also with the, with the cuts in the pay it made me reassess what I was weighing out and then I could cut all the shite that I was paying for that I don't use. And yes. it's, it's incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible how much money you spend unconsciously. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, until it becomes to a point where you think, well, okay, my pay is this, therefore my bills need to be this. Mm. And you haven't got to fall back on, oh, I'll just do a few more hours overtime. Yeah. It's, it's a game changer. Because mm. where I go from there now, even though I may be negative now, I've set my new base level. I've just mm. dropped my base level for living by, I don't know, it's got to be about £800 a month. Easy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just by cutting back on things that I used to think I need or needed. Yes. 100%. It's absolutely bonkers. I mean, I know you've done it with different, with the, all your different moves and... Uh, but it's those big, it's those big moves that bring the most reward. Yeah, Laura and, then, and I did a thing as well. We we set up a, a joint account, and uh, we thought, well, all of the monthly expenditures, you know, fuel and food, and you know, if we want to go out for meals or whatever, just put it on the joint account. And we put a set amount into the joint account each month, two hundred fifty quid each, it's five hundred quid to get us through the month, and that's it. As soon as the money's gone, like. It's a different account. We either put some more money in, which is a rarity, only if we like went on holiday like we were the other week, um, or we don't go out. Because yeah. if you can look at a figure and go, I think we can afford to go out for dinner the next three nights in a row, then uh, you, you, you don't. You automatically turn those payments down. It's, it's liberating. Because you, you know where you want to go, and you, yeah. you, you're taking the actions for the person that you want to be. Yes. Which brings a, gr- a greater level of self-confidence and self-worth. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And as soon as that happens, it's 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 a full on mental shift. You you end up walking like a like a new man, like a new. <laughs> Your shoulders are back. Your chest is out. You're breathing in air. You're standing tall. And you've got a smile on your face. Mm. You know? If you actively try and think, if you're miserable at work, actively try and think and, and be mindful of your posture. You sat there in front of, slumped in front of a computer with your shoulders forward and your neck down and your back bent. Or are you like really driven and on fire to do something, in which case you're probably going to be sat upright or standing because you're going to be full of energy. You're going to be buzzing. You know, I've just lost my job. I'm still running around. My shoulders are back. My head is high and opportunities are falling on my lap. You know, you yeah. approach it with, well, I must get through this. I must do X, Y, and Z. Then those musts will happen. It's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. It's just the way it is. I see. Oh, I should have this. I should have this. Oh, I should have this. And you're going to bitch and moan about your shoulds. You won't get anywhere. Yeah. I know. It's action. Actually, yeah, 100%. And you touched that you, you said, like, do something dangerous, take the risk, because that's where all the growth is. Yes. But there's another aspect to this, which is it, it's more risky to not take the risk. It's a really subversive risk, isn't it? Because it's kind of. If you don't take the risk, it doesn't look risky, but in the long term, it is. Even massively. Short term, the short term comfort for the, uh, against, hang on, let me get this right way around. They take short term gain instead of long term gain. Yeah. That makes sense. Because if you're just going for, oh, well, it's more comfortable to sit and do nothing, you know, it's less risky, but it's risky in the long term. But eating donuts is great. You eat a donut every day for the next five years, you can be fat. You know, but you don't think about that. You just think how good a donut tastes. I love a donut. Um, you just think about how good a donut tastes. But if you don't exercise, or if you don't do anything to, to, to assist you in eating a donut, then you're going to relax. You know? But it's, you're right. You're 100% right. It is more risky to do nothing. But you can't pick up on that risk until it's too late, I don't find. No. Uh, Pick up on the risk of eating a donut um, or a croissant or fucking whatever until the point where you look down, <laughs> you look down, you, you can't see your genitals anymore. You look at the you look at the scale and it's a number that's already all, all of a sudden in the triple figures. And you're like, oh, right. Been there, mate. Yourself in the mirror and think, I wouldn't be attracted to that. I should have a girlfriend. Yeah, but look at me in the mirror. Or I should have a boyfriend. But look at me in the mirror. You know what I mean? Yeah. All of a sudden, the shoulds don't happen. That, right. That was me. I, I was the, the donut eating, biscuit eating, eating my breakfast, dinner, and tea, and anything in between. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and now I'm at the point where my, I look down and my, my, my skin feels like somebody else's coat. Yeah. It, it's hiding the physique underneath. Yeah. I don't mean that. You know, I'm trying to blow my nose. I've done a lot of work and, it, and it's changed so much. Yeah. But it does feel like somebody else's skin because it's, yeah. it doesn't fit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the consequence of, of not following through, of not being conscious, of not being aware. 
of not yeah. taking any risk, of not being consistent, of dragging my ass out of bed in the morning, going to the gym, because I know it's a non-negotiable for my mental health and my physical yeah. health. And it sounds like a lot, of, a lot of work to some people who might be listening to this. And the simple answer to that is yes, it's a lot of work. You can't get anywhere with that hard work, but it's worth it. And you need to find, that's not saying that everyone listening to this should be going on a diet and, and exercising, whatever. You know, of course, there's kind of a, you know, to an extent, everyone should be doing that sort of thing. But to take it that seriously, it's not for everyone. It doesn't need oh. to be for everyone. But whatever that person feels and has a, a real emotion behind, then they need to act on. Like what I feel right now, you know, I get a real emotion behind talking about this sort of stuff. I know what I want to do. Like my voice is changing. I can't keep my hands still. I'm going up high. I'll go down low. I'm speaking loud. I'm speaking quiet. If I sat here and spoke really quietly and I didn't really move, spoke really slow for the next two hours, your subscription rate will go through the floor. And people won't get it. People won't get it. They won't, they will be like, well, he's obviously not going to follow through on those tasks because, well, it sounds like, it, it literally sounds like death. So I don't want to listen to that. Unsubscribe. But no, they'll, 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 you know, I've got a lot of things that I want to say. So I speak fast, with energy. I speak with power because I'm enthusiastic about this sort of thing. And the more I talk about it, the more I get fired up about it. It's, it's doing it for myself. <laughs> If I fire up other people, brilliant. That's my goal, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think we've um, given them a good run, Amy. I mean, there's uh, we've covered. I think we covered a ton. Again, yeah, I think so too. I think so. <laughs> I think we're running quite nicely into tomorrow's episode. Yes, because that's do something dangerous, and then and then next week is uh, ne- sorry. Next episode will be looking at. Uh, redefine impossible and I've gone on a rant about that because I've got a really fun idea behind that and then I might allude to uh, some of the challenges that I've got coming up as well because it all cool. fits into the same thing and then I can go off on a really enthusiastic rant about that too um, yeah. but I really hope that people listening to this you know, can just start you know, even if you don't listen to me gobbing off for ages just, just get to a certain point and be like I need to do something close the podcast go and do something about it yeah. I just I, I would love for somebody to be like do you know what my job is shit I really want to be a candlestick maker right I'm going to go and become a candlestick maker because that's what I want to do yeah. I'm going to start I'm going to start calling my full time job my temp job and I'm going to start becoming a candlestick maker and I'm going to call that my fortune and just like Zig Ziglar says I'm going to be working part time on my job and full time on my fortune I'm going to work full, I'm going to be, you know, getting to the point where I can get rid of my job and I can live being a candlestick maker. I can live my fortune. You know, people, for people to then be able to just be living the life that they really, really want to be living and just doing stuff they want to be doing. It's all possible. I'm doing it. You know, it's ups and downs, highs and lows, whatever. So is life. You know, it's great. And it's so doable. It, it, it just pains me to see people who are just sat there, you know, st- stuck in inverted commas in a job that they just don't enjoy or, you know, if they feel, oh, I can't take action just now. I need to wait. It's like, no, you could get hit by a bus while, you, while you're waiting. And I bet you'd regret not taking action. So if, if there is anything, you just think, I need to do something. Do it now. You know, 
Pause the podcast. Do it now. Come back to the podcast with a cup of tea. And then listen Absolutely. to the rest of it. Well, do you know what would make my day? If someone was to email you or I, um, let's have a look. Email ben at athleteadventure.com. Oh, that's me. Yeah. Or uh, crisis to crushing it at gmail.com. And tell us, they were actually listening to this, switched it off, and then just went and acted on an emotion they were having. That yeah, positive, you know, to, to do something that... that they felt motivated or driven to go and achieve something. I mean, that would yeah, that would stoke my day. <laughs> absolutely, and if and if one of us hears it, we'll share it with the other so that we both know. absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll mention it on a future yeah. podcast because that's amazing. Yeah, I'd love to hear people who are doing this, you know, and, and be like, actually, do you know what? Yeah, I want to do this. It could be anything. It could be I want to become the Ironman World Champion in 2022, or it could be I want to have a more sexual relationship with my partner. And then we've just motivated you to go and have sex. Fantastic. Great. Or I want to go on a diet. So I'll just put a bag of donuts in the bin. That's a shame. I mean, I, that, that's great. But uh, I like donuts. But great. Uh, it all starts with a little step. Yeah. And that's it. it it's, it's one small step. You know, and that's all it is. And then Newton's law, things that are moving or something along the lines of, an object that is in motion will stay in motion. Yep. You make one step, you'll keep going. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good place to wrap him up there, mate, I think. I think so. I think so. It's time for dinner. <laughs> uh, cool, man. I, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Yes, definitely. Six o'clock, right? Absolutely, sir. Perfect. <laughs> thank you for your time today. Yeah, no, thank you, Joel. And I'll, uh, I'll speak to you tomorrow at six. All right. Lovely job. Cheers, Ben. Nice one. Cheers, man. All the best, soon. mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.